We can just uh, chit and chat real quick for a minute. Great. Now that we got our shit talk out of the way and deleted it so none of you can ever hear what we said. We'll, we'll go back and we'll get it back. We'll save it. We'll put it on our Patreon when we make one. <laughs> That'll be the Patreon. It'll the, just be you. You If you guys pay to be part of our Patreon, you can just hear us talk shit about people. With names. With included. names. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes. Ow. To be fair, we weren't even talking shit. You were just airing like a very legitimate grievance, but yeah, just talking it out with your bestie about when someone said something shitty to you. Yep. But you know, sometimes we do talk genuine shit, and both of those, <laughs> both of those genres, you can find on the Patreon, um, which I legitimately have. Started working on. I know I keep saying that every oh, week, okay. but I have Amazing. started setting it up. All right, sick. Um, it's not set up yet because I just want to make sure we actually know what the fuck we're putting on it yeah. before I launch it. But well, we will discuss this then. Right into the podcast. What do you want on the Patreon? Yes. Um. Yeah, and we'll discuss it off air too. What are some options? What are like I? You know, we've talked about like video clip. We've talked about bonus episodes. We've talked about like just unrelated to the podcast, just like mukbangs that you yeah. and I do. Like, I'm just, I, I figure we might as well say what we've been thinking so people can actually tell us what they're interested in. Yeah. What else? Is there anything else that you had in mind? No, those have been like the main ones, the ones that we've discussed. Yeah. They're like, there are some podcasts that they're bonus content on patreon is just like an extension of each episode like another 10 minutes of each episode that just isn't aired mm-hmm. like we could just have like a f- another you know how we have all these yeah. segments we could have just one segment that is like oh yeah, yeah on the patreon but it's still about the same shit that the episode is about yeah yeah i like that something like that um i was also thinking of having a very low barrier to entry with Patreon. Like you can sign up just for like $1 for like that kind of content, the stuff that's like podcast related so that people like anyone can really listen to it if they want to, but then have like, I don't know, video content, like maybe those mukbangs, for example, be something that's like behind the $5 tier or you know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe we could move, maybe we could move an existing segment to Patreon like the deep dives since those are getting we we're having to dive deeper and deeper for them (laughs) might as well get a dollar for it (laughs) truly i don't know right into the podcast tell us what you want um because there's some of you that are supporting us on anchor already and not getting any bonus content for that which thank you so we already know that y'all want to support so tell us what you'd be interested in in exchange and I know some of you subscribe to like our OnlyFans, like both of our OnlyFans. And maybe we could do some kind of cross promotional thing where if you're subscribed to our Patreon, part of it is that you get like a, some percentage off of our OnlyFans or something like that, you yeah. know, because we don't we're not trying to rob y'all. We really appreciate all your support, but 
We would like to monetize this podcast a little bit more. Yeah, that would be sick. (laughs) And I'm working on merch. If anybody that's listening, actually, I may have a lead on this without any help from listeners, but it's a still maybe. So I would like other options. If anybody knows any like um, clothing, like printing companies that will print merch on bucket hats. I am really looking into that and it's very hard to find it online, but I know that there's all these like DIY print shops around the country that aren't, don't have like enormous web presences. So if you're aware of one that does bucket hats, please let me know. (laughs) And if you want a bucket hat and if (laughs) I want, if, if anyone's interested in bucket hats, also let me know because this might be a search in vain that like only Nika and I want these bucket hats. No, I feel like people would totally want bucket hats. Yeah, I think they would too. Yeah. I mean, I want a bucket hat that says kiss your friends on the mouth. Yes. I want a bucket hat that says test your holes, test your drugs. (laughs) (laughs) I want a bucket hat with our asses on it. Yes. (laughs) Same. But tell us what types of merch y'all are interested in because I possibly have a lead with a um, like DIY merch printing shop in like Philly or something. I forget where they are, but um, if they don't do bucket hats, they do do other stuff. They do like crop tops and they do stuff that not like, you know, Redbubble or Threadless are probably not going to do. And it's a better deal (laughs) for us. So tell us what merch y'all want. Do you want mugs? Do you want crop tops? Do you want tote bags? Do you want a regular t-shirt? Ew. Can't imagine getting a regular t-shirt and not just immediately cutting it into a crop top. But weirdo. Fucking Um. weirdo. (laughs) But hey, if that's your if that's your jam, let us know. Maybe cum rags. Ooh, (laughs) absolutely. When we were in Vermont, our friends that were visiting from Asheville uh, bought like fabric napkins for their home. Oh. And I'm like, do you guys want napkins with our asses on them? I love that. (laughs) Help your carbon footprint. No more paper towels or paper napkins, just napkins with Anya's and Nika's asses on them. (laughs) Let us know. Let us know. How are you? I know you're anxious today, but how are you other than that? Or if you want to speak more on that. I mean, that's just it. I'm just anxious. Um, For our listeners, just some uh, hangover anxiety, a shame over as I like to call them, Um, which I really only get when I drink. I don't get them when I do a cocktail of drugs. Oh, my God. Um, That just reminded me we have to talk about the review we got. That we still oh, talked about. Oh, yeah, pod. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just anxious. And I've already been like not in a great um, frame of mind for the last like week. Mm. Um, but yeah, just anxious. I really um, do not like getting drunk. No, um, it's not good. I mean, I, well, here's the thing I enjoy being drunk, I just don't like imagining what everyone is saying about me (laughs) because I do get like 10 times louder, which personally I'm fine with. Yeah. Um, And like, that's kind of why people imbibe 
it makes you loosey goosey. Yeah. Um, which I think is like better than when I do coke when I'm depressed and then I'm like nonverbal and silent all night. <laughs> um, you know. I but, mean, getting drunk is a weird thing because it's fun in the moment, but even in the moment you can you can it like it changes, you know, it literally chemically changes the parts of your brain that like you filter through yeah so you can like even feel yourself in the moment saying shit that you would never say and like doing things that you would probably never do if you're like fucked up enough yeah at least that's like why i don't really like getting drunk because there's like other drugs that like acid for example just makes me fucking funnier and like laugh way harder at everything and obviously there's bad trips but like my behavior on acid i don't feel is like that wildly different yeah. from when I'm not on anything. Totes. Um, and then getting drunk, there's like a worse hangover than pretty much anything else. It's like bad for you okay. in a way that a lot of other things aren't. Here's the thing. I have no hang like I have no physical hangover today. Well, I think weird. anxiety is part of a hangover. Well, yeah, like I have the ang- but like I didn't feel pukey or sit like I woke up and felt f- like physically fine other than being anxious. Yeah. Which was interesting. Well, I guess I ate a lot, so that probably helped. Either way, yeah, very anxious. Um, have been wanting to text everyone all day. You know, have been wanting to go on an apology tour all day. For um, what? Um, I honestly, it's like ridiculous because I sleep at their apartment all the time. But I woke up this morning feeling so anxious and bad that I had fallen asleep on our friend's couch without like, asking them if I could sleep over which obviously was not an issue because one of the people who lives there was watching a movie with me and like watched me fall asleep and then just went to bed himself yeah and like would have just woke like they don't care yeah but (laughs) I don't know so I was really anxious about that when I woke up and was like oh my god I have no fucking boundaries like what is wrong with me yeah um which is so dumb and irrational I sleep at that apartment pretty much every weekend. <laughs> um, I have like, yeah, <laughs> they don't care. Um, what else? That was mainly it. Um, oh, trying to convince one of our friends to stay, be- even though they were tired. I woke up and was like, that was an- another. I just wanted to go on an apology tour, text tour today about not having boundaries, mm. um, which I don't think that I don't have boundaries, but I just... Uh, Mm, So no no apology for me for last night. Interesting. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. You didn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I don't think I did anything to you. Um, No, I mean, I wasn't drunk last night, but last night I thought was so fun. And like we and for the listeners last night, we mean Sunday night because we're not recording this the day it comes out. Yeah. um, Yeah, I had a lot of fun last night. That's the thing. So it's like dumb that I feel this way. Yeah, we just there was like a little dinner party at a friend's and there was like a weird like accident a little snafu where there were an equal number of (laughs) bottles of wine as there were people people in attendance and we went through a lot of them I personally didn't drink a ton but that was kind of just because I like don't really like I just said I don't really like getting drunk so I never really get drunk anymore I love wine I love getting buzzed I was definitely buzzed last night but um yeah um but yeah it was fun it was a fun night Well, yeah, there was like this part of the evening where um, like four of us who are kind of like our own group of friends 
in, in within a group of friends yeah. like we hang out kind of like on our own and in different combinations of people than were necessarily the people in attendance last night. Yeah. We like kind of broke off from the group, not on purpose. Anyone was welcome to join us, yeah. but we like just started listening to pop music and really like performing our asses off <laughs> as we love to do. Love to do. To Unwritten by Natasha Benningfield. Yes. Um, Oops, I did it again by Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> Perfume. Perfume by Britney. That's a big friendship. Uh, uh, too Little Too Late. Song. Yeah, Too Little Too Late. <laughs> like, yeah, we were just having our little, like, pop icon like performing to each other moment yeah and it was super fun and it also happened to be the four of us that did this were the ones that like have a similar diagnosis (laughs) mental illness wise so I made this joke that like um at, like there's always a point in the night where we're like the dogs have to be let out into the yard to like run around and burn off energy like we just have to go like perform to each other in like this like really over the top like screaming at the top of our lungs to pop music while everyone else like sits at the table like an adult and keeps talking about like their day jobs and I was like and the other thing we have in common is that none of us have day jobs <laughs> the only people in attendance that were like fully uh, unemployed in the eyes of like society (laughs) um (laughs) you know three of us are well i I think all of us actually are sex workers to some degree but people don't recognize that (laughs) so anyway um so we were making jokes about how we were like the like kids that need to like burn off some steam but then there were people that were like making kind of shitty comments to that effect that were like no longer really jokes yeah I don't know. I just want to like for you to rest assured because I was not drunk and you were not the only one doing it. Yeah. No, I know. It w- and like we were having fun. I know. And anyone who was like not in on it, I think was just projecting personally. I mean, yeah, I do too. Thank you for that. Yeah. And also, I, mean, I think that uh, the person who made the shitty comment was also drunk, which is like ironic to me. Yeah. It's no, just, they like, deaf were for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's so funny. Um, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> we have fun. We had fun. And um, I think this leads perfectly into... I just really want to read this review that we actually got in June, but neither of us read until last week. Um, and it's the first <laughs> bad review we've ever gotten. And it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, buckle up. <laughs> One star. These two really need to listen to get out around more people. That's literally what this says. Let me read that again. (laughs) These two really need to listen to get out around more people to realize that not everyone gets blackout drunk on a regular basis, goes into K-holes at parties on the reg. I like how one one item is on a regular basis and then the next item is on the reg. Yep. Which is the same thing, but both worded wrong in a different way. Um, And is strung out on Coke and Adderall. (laughs) And they seem incapable of going to the beach or anywhere in nature without being on shrooms or acid. True. Like, I'm well, that's not true. Uh, no, I'm getting, but not, I'm not in case I was, I meant for me. No, I'm not incapable. I just choose to do acid and shrooms and I'm out in nature most of the time. Um, what is so funny about this is that one, obviously 
we're both the you know this is both of our podcasts and it very well could be about the both of us but the strung out on coke and adderall comment feels so deeply personal like personal and aimed at me because because i I, don't do either and i literally uh, what so okay so because I literally have spoken once on this podcast about doing Adderall one time, which was my fuck up of the week or mistake of the week, like three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So they've been listening for that long, which is funny. Secondly, I don't even do Adderall. I did it that one time because I didn't have Coke. And yeah, I like Coke, whatever. But it's just really funny. Like this has to be, in my opinion, somebody who knows us in real life or yeah. at least knows me in real life. I've also, as you know, been having an internet bully yeah. who's been making accounts to tweet really mean things at me. Yeah. So I'm like, is this the sit? Like, who was I mean to at a party? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like if it was, I, this might be that person, but also the person who's been tweeting really mean things at you, it seems to always come back to like transphobic remarks. Yeah. But it's also shit about how I look and the strung out on. Uh, Coke and Adderall comment like they've like said shit about me like looking like I'm on drugs yeah um it very well I mean who knows maybe I have multiple <laughs> internet haters well I mean I also have a fair share of people who fucking hate me on the yeah. internet this also might just be somebody who gave this podcast an earnest listen and doesn't do a lot of drugs and so like fair enough totally. but just a weird like review to leave so mean um because I it was yeah, yeah it was Elisa. <laughs> It was <laughs> famously I don't invite Elisa uh, out sober. often enough, so she left this review. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, bitch. Um, <laughs> famously sober, clean and sober, squeaky clean and sober member of the pod, so, Elisa. I don't know if you saw somebody um, that follows both of us, like put this person's <laughs> username like into Instagram and then I looked at it and it like popped up as like what seems to be like a very young teenager who just has a bunch of like anime drawings on Instagram. So I'm like, is this also like, is this like some purity teenager who listens to our podcast? Well, also every time, no offense to the people who watch anime that are like good people, but (laughs) every time there's like an anime, like, icon on Twitter and it's like a teenage yeah. user I'm like here we fucking, fucking go. go buckle up <laughs> buckle like. up it's always like the stupidest takes about like queerness and about age differences yeah. and about like what counts as trans or not and it's just like shut the fuck up also it's like listen I'm sure that we have sober listeners so like uh, no shade to anyone who's sober I <laughs> I did it for a few months I think it's great AA is cool Etc. Um, but like, no, I don't really have any friends who don't partake in these activities. And oh, you know I what? have a ton of them. I don't, and that's you know, and it's 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 fine um, to have them and to not have them. It's just funny that this person is making it seem like we are so out of control and um, like not part of kind of a social norm in this city. Yeah, I will say. At least you in this case, because I do have a lot of friends that don't do it, that you might be in a bit of a bubble maybe with, with I the mean, drug use thing. Just like not even devil's advocate, but like to be fair, because I have a ton of friends that don't do like recreational drugs pretty much at all. And they like are cool and fun still. Yeah, no, I'm not saying um, and are in New York and are part of 
plenty of New York social norms. I'm not saying they but, don't exist and that they're not cool. I'm just saying it's like, I don't think, yeah, I'm sure uh, it's probably a bubble, but I don't think that um, it's that out of, I don't know. They just, it's, it, it just felt like um, they were acting like it was m- like, it's more out of the norm. Than yeah, it yeah, really yeah. Is. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree that it's like that. I think they are also in a bubble if they yeah. think that this is like super uncommon yeah. and like to be, I mean, just to be fair to us, none like neither of us get blackout drunk on a regular basis. No, I think I've blacked out like three times since 2019. I've blacked out once since like 2015, maybe, yeah. maybe twice. Um, yeah, I pretty much stopped blacking out after I went to AA. So, yeah. yeah. And neither of us getting drunk is even something that is like our preferred indulgence. But so I'm just going point by point in this review, (laughs) right? Um, Goes into K-holes at parties on the reg. I mean, sure. I would say that for at least me, that's a little bit more of a recent thing and not something that I'm like trying to do all the time. It's just like New York just opened back up and people are going to parties and K is a drug that is fun to do at parties. Sorry. No, I mean, same for me. Like, yeah, I've been doing K for like, I don't know, two and a half years now, but I just started doing it regular like you know regularly socially at parties and i don't plan on i don't plan on it being like well this is my life now i go into k-holes every week forever i wouldn't even say that we're going into k-holes no we're not (laughs) no but like i just i think that whatever it i'm not trying to even be defensive because i don't think there's anything to defend here it's just inaccurate yeah i also think that we talk about these things on the podcast a lot because it is relatable yeah and like people that listen to the podcast have expressed to us the relatability of it. So it's like just something we know our listeners enjoy hearing about. Yeah, it's like I our just, New York City nightlife. Yeah, I'm not trying to defend anything either. I just don't want anyone. I don't want anyone to get the impression that like I at least like either of us. But like, you know, I'll speak for myself that I'm glamorizing doing drugs. <laughs> we like, just do them we and just we're talking them about and our I li- Yeah, we do them. I like them and that's that. But like, if you don't want to do drugs, that's chill too. Babe. Yeah. The next item, the Coke and Adderall thing is just funny because I, I personally literally never do either of those drugs. I've done both of those drugs one time in my life and the Adderall, I was like, oh, I should probably actually take this <laughs> <laughs> as like a medicine <laughs> and because it didn't get me high at all and instead, well, whatever. I do have ADHD and I am unmedicated for it. So the Adderall experience I don't think was me being strung out so much as me being like interesting gonna see a psychiatrist about this um and I did coke that one time and it made me sleepy which is just further proof of my ADHD Mm -hmm. um and then the incapable of going to the beach or anywhere in nature without being on shrooms or acid I mean I'll speak for myself again I absolutely that is absolutely not the truth for me because I'm famously the DD every time we go to the beach um, because it's my car, (laughs) which I am starting to grow the tiniest bit of resentment about. And I will be bringing up to the group that someone else needs to DD my car at some point. But anyway, I will do that for you. (laughs) It's and it's actually fine because I don't. The beach is not a place I love to get drunk or do drugs because it's already like a severe experience. Like it's already like you're in the fucking sun and being like tossed around by the ocean. And it's already like 
a lot is happening. Yeah, I mean, anytime that I've done psychedelics at Reese, I have regretted doing them. Yeah. So for me, it's not about doing it at the beach so much as just when, I, yeah, whatever. It's I'm not actually growing resentment for it. It is just something that I'm like, hey, just because I'm the one that owns the car doesn't mean I have to be the one that drives it. Um, when we go do stuff where everyone else is like, let's do acid now. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is also fine because I don't enjoy doing psychedelics as often as the rest of our friend group does, which is once again, fine. It's just my personal preference. I kind of like, I like when psychedelics are still an experience that's like, whoa, and not like something that I'm doing all the time. Yeah. Um, it's just it literally not because I'm like, I don't do drugs as much as everyone else so much as I'm like, I want the drug experience to still fucking go hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't do it as often, um, which is why that particular comment was like wild to me. But then it occurred to me that like we just talk about drug experiences because they often are good stories. Yeah. So like when we do acid or shrooms like in the woods or at the beach, it comes up on the pod more than when we go to the woods or the beach without doing those things. Yeah. Because otherwise what we did was go on a walk yeah. or sit in the sun. And when we're on drugs, usually it's like something funny happens. Also just like fuck off. Like, yeah, we do drugs a lot. I don't like whatever. Yeah. I do drugs pretty much every weekend and sometimes during the week. Um, this has just been like coming up a few times lately from both like people IRL and then like this review. And I'm just like, it's so annoying to me that like to, it's very annoying to be so open about doing drugs and like to be both open about like how dark they can be and how out of control I have been on them. And then to also like have a handle on them and be just open enjoy about doing them. enjoy doing them and to be judged for it, which it's like fucking judge away, dude. But like, you're a fucking like, you're just lame. You're lame. Like, <laughs> It reminds me of like the sexual puritanical thing that like, you know, maybe people there's I think a lot of people who still have puritanical views on drug use that are like a little bit more open minded about sex and sexuality mm -hmm. that may that maybe don't see that it is kind of the exact same policing thought that you're having about just a different thing now. Yeah. Like the the stigma around drug use and the assumption that doing drugs a lot means that you're like losing control or like you're ruining your life or there's like some kind of like some kind of part of life that you're wasting because of it is literal dogma mm -hmm. that has been pushed in usually for like racist and classist reasons and so like we are not even the demographic that gets hurt the most by this kind of like like bullshit that's being perpetuated. Yeah. So like, you know, fucking judge away, I guess, because I rather you throw this bullshit at me than at people that are like currently in prison because of drug offenses or like people whose lives are actually being like impacted negatively because of not because of like their behavior or like them ruining their own life, but because of the way society treats drugs. Yeah. Like, why do you think people keep doing drugs even though everyone says they're bad and wrong? It's because they're fucking fun. And mm -hmm. they, for a lot of people, genuinely enhance their lives. And just because you do them regularly does not mean that you're addicted. And even if you are addicted, that doesn't mean you're a bad person mm -hmm. or that your life is spinning out of control. Like there's all this bullshit that I'm just like done hearing about. And the reason that I both clarify the drug use that we 
do because I think this person is blowing it out of proportion in this review Yeah, is like the reason for that is not because I'm like actually we're really good and we don't do a ton of drugs it's like because I want if you're gonna critique us do it accurately and then by the way even if everything in this review were true fuck off yeah like you're not actually helping anybody or helping society by having a weird like holier than thou view on something that literally humans have been doing since the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. Every society in the world does drugs. (laughs) There is every society since ancient history has had something that like takes the edge off or enhances certain experiences. And if you personally don't want to indulge fucking Godspeed, I I go in and out of like dry periods myself because I also enjoy being sober. Like it's not like just because we do drugs, we're like, and we hate the sober mind. Like there's things to enjoy about being sober too. And there are moments that it's like not appropriate to do drugs, obviously. But like it's none of your fucking business. Mm Mm-hmm. So don't listen to the podcast. Also, I'm not mad at this person for leaving a one-star review. If you don't like this podcast, leave a review that is accurate to your experience with it, I guess. It's just obvious this person listened to way more of it than a person would for one star. It's just strange to me. Yeah. And anyway, we're not actually butthurt over it. It just is like their, their opinion about drugs is one that we're both like annoyed by. No, I don't care. I went out and did. I'm pretty sure I did drugs. The I went into night. a K hole the day this review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the day we got this review. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I love a hike without doing shrooms or acid. Nature's gorgeous with yeah. or without the enhancement. Enhancement makes it sound like it. You know, I guess whatever. With or without the change in like sobriety yep um should we just fucking do our mistakes keepsakes hot takes yeah let's do them mistakes keepsakes and hot takes okay so i'm gonna start with my hot take um aquarius men are the devil um, that's my hot take aquarius men are evil um they're terrible people um i think that if there's an aquarius man in your life that you're thinking of like being romantic with just like don't do it um yes i was just ghosted again a second time <laughs> a second time by the guy who unghosted me just a few weeks ago um And, you know, I wasn't even ghosted for, like, a good reason. He sent me videos of himself belligerently drunk while we were in Vermont. And I just asked him not to do that and said that he was being annoying and said to text me when he was sober. And then he didn't. And then I texted him two days ago and said, hey, what's up? And he never responded, which is unlike him. Well, I guess not because he had ghosted me before. (laughs) Um, Was unlike him in our recent rekindling um but you know it's a taste of my own medicine because i have ghosted so many people and i'm an aquarius um (laughs) i've ghosted my way out of two casual relationships with guys that i was dating um but yeah aquarius men fucking suck man i want to just like smash cut to like six months ago when Nika and I were driving upstate together and she was telling me about how like she thinks the only person that she could probably make it work with is another Aquarius. She's like, you know, I just don't think that there's any other sign that I could date. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it's probably true because I'm also a psychopath. So it's like, <laughs> I probably should end up in the, with an Aquarius man because I too am a little bit evil. Like, yeah. I'm chaotic, but still fuck them. I mean, my God. My yeah. God. I mean, I famously was in love with an Aquarius man for like mm-hmm. over a year um, and I'm still good friends with this person. And I think they sometimes listen to the podcast, <laughs> but Hey, what's up? I think he knew it too. I never actually told him because I was like, I'm not subjecting myself to what I know he's capable of. And not even just as an Aquarius, but like as somebody who was friends with him, I saw. <coughs> so I get it. Yeah. Well, that's my spicy hot take. Um, my mistake. Um, uh, I mean, just probably last night that I got like drunker than I expected to. Um, even though it was a fun night. And- can I can I extend a challenge to yeah. you? Not because of this person. What? But just a mistake that doesn't have to do with substance abuse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess my other one, I got into a fight with my mom while I was home in Rhode Island and then came back early. I was in Rhode Island a few days ago um, and we got into a fight. And so I came home. I was supposed to be there until today and I came home early. Um, So I guess like that could be my other mistake. (laughs) Um, And then my keepsake would be um, going out the other night. What was that? Saturday night? When we went to the queue. The queue. The queue NYC. Unfortunately, my new favorite club is in <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> um, but that was a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun. I'm so glad you came out. Me too. I finally met um, our friend Nikita, friend of the pod. Yes. Um, who we have to have on eventually, um, which was sick. But yeah, that was a fun night. I needed that. So that was good. Made out with a lot of people. Got fingered on a dance floor for the first time <laughs> since COVID started. Um, That's my bestie. I've been waiting for your keepsake (laughs) to be that you got fingered on the dance floor and we finally got there. (laughs) (laughs) She keeps talking about the good old days. (laughs) That was it. Finally did it. So, yeah, that's my uh, my my keepsake and my mistake and my hot take. My mistake. um, Well, actually, let me start with my keepsake because my keepsake is basically the same it's that we went to the queue and it was so fun um our friend got us in because she works the door oh my god the hottest door person there shout out to pierce um so hot so hot really telling people to get into the back of the line because they didn't have tickets when they weren't on the list and then opening that rope right the fuck open for us and I loved it I was like okay I've never been more turned on um (laughs) in my life but my other keepsake speaking of Pierce we um went to the beach with um Pierce and Lincoln last week at some point and we made a pact that we're that we're all gonna stop being little bitches (laughs) about people we have crushes on and people that like we hope will make a move on us and like you know just like we've all been kind of uh complaining a lot about missed opportunities of like moments where we thought something was going to happen and then it didn't happen and the common denominator with all of us is that like we could have been the one to make it happen and we were waiting for the other person to so we made a pact while we were at the beach that we were just going to fucking go for it so while we were at the queue (laughs) I did that 
um, with two people. And one in particular is one that I've had a real will they or won't they ongoing bullshit narrative with for yes. like eight months yeah, now. Like nearly a year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it has been... You know, it's been for the best because I at least no longer have the same kind of crush on them that I once did. Like, I'm not trying to, like, enter into any kind of relationship or situationship or romantic scenario with this person anymore. And I think had this happened back when the crush was new, it would have sparked, like, you know, even bigger feelings. And so I'm glad it didn't happen back then anyway. Yeah. But because it's lasted so long, it made the satisfaction of us, like, making out on the dance floor that much greater. Um, and also just the satisfaction with myself because I was like, bitch, you said you were going to go for it and then you went for it. And I'm so... And I love that for you. Yes. I'm so proud of you. So. Um, so... And then I also made out with a different crush that same night. That I did not have the same ongoing, like, you know, bullshit. But it was equally as like, see what happens on you when you just. And I did see um, like I wasn't just being like made out with because I like smashed my face on these people's faces. Like I saw at least one of them reject several people. Yeah. So I was like, well, well, well. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Also, really good kisser, <laughs> which is upsetting to me. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't I'm not catching feelings. I'm just proud of myself. Okay. Um, my mistake probably that I've just been like and this isn't so much a mistake because I am so happy I've been I have allowed myself and given myself the space to like do this um I've just been very very like on my socializing bullshit for like a month now I'm definitely on this like pendulum swinging in the last month or so where like all I give a fuck about is like hanging out with people and seeing people like all hours of the day and like going, mm. going out or like going over to a friend's house for dinner or like going and watching a movie with a friend. And I, I'm very glad I have been doing that, but the mistake is like the shit that's kind of fallen through the cracks in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not a capitalist who thinks that like our, sense of worth comes from how hard of workers we are but I do miss um like how I do miss the things I enjoy working hard at I do like I enjoy working really hard at comedy I enjoy working hard at OnlyFans to an extent like I enjoy the rewards of working hard at OnlyFans like I enjoy like making that money and like uh I enjoy making stuff I'm proud of for OnlyFans. Um, And I just haven't really been focusing on the work hard side of work hard, play hard. I've just been playing hard. No, I get that Um, for sure. And I'm, I don't regret it. So it's not a mistake in that sense. It's just more like my mistake is that I have not been, um, I have not been also 
affording myself this thing, this other side of things that I do enjoy doing. I just haven't been doing them, which is like I said, like working hard at the things I actually enjoy working hard at. I don't think that you need to work hard at anything if you don't want to, but I do happen to really enjoy, um, caring about a craft (laughs) and like, you know, throwing myself hard at it. And yeah, I just, it's like occurred to me in the last few days that other than this podcast, I haven't been like putting my whole self into the other aspects of my life. I am still turning out OnlyFans content that I'm proud of, but not necessarily at the like rate that I enjoy churning it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with comedy, I'm like pretty much only doing stand up when I'm booked t- to do it and I'm not really reaching out to bookers or anything right now. And so I just would like to like get back to that. I want to get back to like writing the script that I'm excited that I'm writing and that I like haven't really worked on in the last month. Um, I want to get back to like I wrote a fucking movie last year with my friend Will and we're still like in the middle of the second draft and we haven't really revisited that in like almost two months now. And once again, don't regret the shit I've been doing in the meantime, but like it's time to start, especially because it's so brutally fucking hot out right now and so humid. Like I actually am enjoying staying in my apartment with my AC on (laughs) and I'm like, well, I might as well hit the pavement again with shit that I enjoy making. So that's like kind of my resolution at the moment, my intention for going forward. Cause I'm like bummed that I haven't been doing that. No, I hear that. I've been feeling the same way. I'm giving myself the rest of the summer to continue partying hard. Yeah. Same. When September hits <laughs> back to school, bitch. back to school. And uh, I hate to, I hate to say it, but back to a job in the real world. Um, yeah, just for like, honestly, a few months because we have so many trips planned for winter now, or we have at least two trips planned Yeah, and I'm just not making the money that I was making on OnlyFans. So I'm like, all right, time to get that other stream of income yeah. so I can actually go on these <laughs> trips. Uh, yeah. Our I savings are dwindling. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm definitely not intending on like pumping the brakes that hard on the socializing and the partying. Like I am having fun. And I think like this is a summer that if you if there was ever a time to fucking indulge. Yeah, it's this this summer. summer. Absolutely. So I'm like, absolutely. I am still planning on doing that. I just want to like bring in a little bit more of a balance. I'm like getting a membership at the gym again (laughs) it's good to have like a little bit of structure yes i want structure back for sure yeah and like i very willfully threw structure to the wind in like june like i i felt myself doing it because we just like had vermont like we had our trip coming up we like just i just knew like clubs are opening back up and like our friends are all in town from other places and there's just all these reasons to be like fuck it let's go out 24/7 yeah but now i'm like okay i need to absolutely join a gym again and like start working out every day and writing every day and doing office hours for both comedy and sex work stuff and just like caring again yeah Carrying, carrying while carrying. Yeah, I need to like start using my desk again and not as a hamper. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But hey, if you're listening and you need a sign to bring structure back into your life, maybe this is it. If you're listening and you're not ready for that yet, keep partying, bitch. We love you. Don't worry. I'm not going to do any of this and 
for like a few months. So <laughs> don't worry if you're like me. Keep partying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just get that structure when you want it. Yeah. Um, my hot take is that we need a citizen app, but for when good things happen. I have citizen. I didn't have it for a while, but I redownloaded it with like the world opening back up and me being like outside more. Mm -hmm. It's just good to know kind of like literally have a map on your phone of where a stabbing just happened. Like avoid that area, you know? Um, and it's just, I, you know, it's a nice app to keep an eye on yours and your friend's safety but it is a way to get constant notifications of like car overturned with fatality or like man stabbed two miles away. And you're it's just like all day you're getting notifications of that, yeah. especially in a city. Um, and I'm like, you know, I appreciate the updates. I'm glad I know. But I would like another app or maybe a built in feature with Citizen where there is an equal number of good things that you're updated on. Um, I know Citizen will tell you when something good has happened as a result of Citizen. Like it'll tell you when a cat is found after somebody reports their cat missing. But they only tell you that to be like, see, didn't we do such a good job as an app and not necessarily to like warm your heart. Yeah. And I want more of those cat found notifications, <laughs> but with random shit. Um, the example I gave on Twitter is like somebody drops their groceries and the people around them help them pick all the things up. You know, <laughs> like I've seen some really heartwarming, amazing shit happen in New York City. And I just would like an app that tells me about the things that I don't necessarily see with my own eyes. Yeah. And it, it can work the same way as Citizen. It's just users saying like, oh, I just saw this amazing thing and putting it into the app with like the location it happened. Somebody make this app or someone at <laughs> Citizen add it to Citizen because I just don't need to hear about somebody being tied up and robbed um, without like something to kind of bring me back to neutral, you know? <laughs> uh, that's my hot take. I'm here for that. I think someone should invest in this app. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you know how to build apps and you want to build that and like kind of give me just like the idea commission for it. Um, my Venmo is at Anya Dash Volts. Um, thank you so much. Okay. Fuck up of the week. Fuck up of the week. Uh, what's that guy's name who just went to space? Richard Branson. Yeah. Went to space. Um, do you want me to keep talking? You I mean, yeah. Well, no, like, I'll, sorry, I'll talk. I was trying to bite a hangnail off of my finger. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to also. Yeah, I mean, no, he went to space um, and, like, beat Elon Musk and whoever the fuck else was trying to get to space. Um, and uh, I just, it's like... You know, the takes on Twitter that I've agreed with have been, you know, that it says so much about this, like, country and our capitalist society that, like, the government, like, funded through taxes did this, like, half a century ago or, like, a century, you know, in yeah. 1963, whenever that was. Um, and, like, we already did this. And then, like, some, like, super fucking rich billionaire who has gotten his money in like the most unethical ways as all billionaires do, does it again, like, you know, 60 something years or 50 something years later and is lauded as also like, as a result of not paying taxes. Yeah. Too. And is lauded as like doing something astronomical 
Um, and it's just like, it's just gross. He like, also said that he wants to make space accessible to everyone, regardless of your background or your race or your gender. And he wants to make it like a thing that everyone is able to do and somebody made like made a really good point where it's like oh kind of like how staying at like luxury hotels are technically accessible to mm. everyone you just it's still only the richest people doing it yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. it costs a lot of money so saying it's like accessible doesn't actually mean shit unless you plan on making it a affordable and then also like for me it's like bitch i do not give a shit about going to space i never have i don't i don't there's no part of me who's like, I want to go to space before I die. Like there's that's never been on my to do list. I'm sure it's fucking cool. But like what I want is an earth that is inhabitable. And you have you literally have the money to make that happen. Yeah, there is a monetary amount that will reverse or at least like amend a lot of the climate disaster. And the billionaires right now have that amount of money. Yeah. And what they're doing is spending it on going to space and then coming back and being like, guys, you really got to try this. Like, fuck off. I want to live on Earth and I want health care. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. Ugh, makes me so mad. Um, Cool. Well, th- I, this is the episode. Oh, this episode, I think, is um, Zelda and F. Scott Fitzgerald, right? Oh, yeah. That hasn't come out yet, has it? No, no, it has not. Well, then that's this episode. Great. Hot. So if you want to listen about how F. Scott Fitzgerald is a shitty uh, thief and how Zelda Fitzgerald um, accidentally let her potential slip through her fingers because she was partying too hard. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> My mistake this week. I was a little too Zelda. The ghost of Zelda Fitzgerald is actually who wrote that review. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <laughs> the ghost of Zelda Fitzgerald would be like, besties, I get it. You're doing amazing. But can you just like kind of like just start writing in the mornings? <laughs> Trust me, you're not going to regret it. Otherwise, your shitty husband one day is going to become the greatest writer in American history or one of them <laughs> with your work. So because you didn't have the chutzpah to write your own book until it was too late. That's uh-huh. what Zelda would say. Um, I think. <laughs> but she'd be like, fucking get in those K-holes and then write about it. <laughs> write about your K-hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I simply have to agree. Um, so yeah, get into it. Get into it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Listener mistakes. I'm going to just read um, a listener mistake uh, tweet. Okay. We're running low on emails at the moment. So I'd love for this to just be an extra reminder to write in your mistakes at bestmistakespod at gmail.com. It can be real simple and fun. Um, It can be longer, like whatever you want. Um, 
just write it in because we love reading them. And it's easier for me to keep track of than DMs or replies on like Twitter and Instagram. Um, I still do read the DMs and replies when I can pull them up, but they are just harder to pull up than everything just being in an inbox. So right now I'm just going to read a tweet. Well, let's just, this is just a blanket reminder that we want to hear from you. And I, we know you've made mistakes. <laughs> we know you're little fuck ups. Okay. So right in. Um, all right. So this one comes from Ari Masters. And it's <laughs> got pajama day wrong in middle school and wore pajamas on the wrong day. My middle school had a strict uniform. Okay. I've done this before. <laughs> Not for pajama day, but I too went to a Catholic school with a very strict uniform and showed up. Um, the day before a dress down day thinking that that was the dress down day and like was so excited oh no and came to school and no one else was dressed down and i was like fuck uh yeah fuck it really sucked <laughs> i mean luckily my mom like drove me right back home i looked oh, down the street but it was still god a, bless her a bummer and so embarrassing yeah, I've been I, there. I think that schools, like, it's emotional terrorism to have, like, days that have a theme like that. Yeah. Because inevitably someone is going to get it wrong. Yeah. No, and it's just, sure. it is just, like, the most embarrassing fucking thing of all time at that age. Yeah. I almost never participated in any of those because I was like, I just don't even want to risk it. <laughs> I was we like. It goes so hard. <laughs> like any, like not just a dress night, but any themed dress down day. My mom would like sit in the kitchen all night for hours, like making our costumes or outfits for oh. it. Well, you also, yeah, you had a uniform. So yeah. like it was yeah, a bigger dress down deal. Day, oh yeah. Dress down days, middle, elementary, middle school in to high school, we went hard. Yeah. Which I'm actually thankful that I had to wear a uniform. I think it gives you, like, I think it gave me at least good style because I had to be so, like, didn't have to be, but was so picky about what I was going to wear that, like, one day of the month. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uniforms are, I think, generally a good thing. Like, I, I think that it's, like, you know, in other countries, public schools have uniforms too. And I think that it um definitely... There are still obviously ways that rich kids signal that they are rich to each other because that's what the elite do. They figure out ways to make sure they know who else is rich and yeah. who else isn't. But it does. It makes that less of a thing. Yeah. The socioeconomic gap between students like in public school, it is just so obvious who is not well off. Totally. And kids are mean about it. Like at my school, the jo- like the word that we used about someone who's like poor was we called them a dirt bag. And by we, I never really participated in that. I'm sure I did. But like I got called a dirt bag a lot. So I wasn't really doing it to other people. But what was funny is like I was like, mm, I mean, I'm not rich. And I definitely my family went through its struggles. But I was like, I'm like fine so yeah. you guys calling me a dirtbag isn't actually hurting my feelings because like I'm gonna go home to like a hot meal tonight and like that's more than these other dirtbags can say and so I remember being like it's fucked up that you're calling me this at all but I'm more offended on behalf of like the people who like their lives are already fucking hard enough just because they don't yeah. have the new American eagle fucking jeans it's enough reason for them to be like othered I don't know. I just I always was like, I think I would prefer to go to it, even though I was a little like emo, like a kid who expressed myself through style. Mm-hmm. I like always felt that a uniform would be better for that for that reason. Yeah. Um. And then also, like you said, it's like 
it does it takes away that whole element of like you don't need to worry about what you're gonna wear and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so much easier. Yeah, I loved having uniform. Yeah, I always wanted one, but I can also see like it it not having one allowed me to not give a fuck about themed dress up days. Yeah. So um, I never really I don't think I did pajama day once because sometimes I like I wore like <laughs> leggings and a sweatshirt to school. I was like, babe, it's uh-huh. it's pajama day every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can see it like if you go to a uniform school, I can see pajama day being more exciting than uh, at a non-uniform school. And so I can deeply empathize with um, showing up on the wrong day. I showed up on the wrong day for all kinds of things, though. I often had like the wrong, like, you know, if two really big projects and different classes were due on different days, I usually would do like I would bring the wrong fucking project, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Whew, it's crazy that I was not diagnosed with ADHD until uh, I was an adult. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Ari. That's embarrassing as fuck. And we're, we're here for you. We are here for you. Another tweet. Um, This one is hurts my soul. Whew, took a job where a girl I was very into was working only to find out a week later I was actually her replacement. I uh, let us know, Dave. Did it work out between you anyway? I doubt it. (laughs) I doubt it. Yikes. Um, (laughs) Fuck. My only question, I guess I should have asked this follow up question before reading this. But Dave, if you're listening, did you take the job because you were into that girl only to show up and find out that you were her replacement and not going to work with her? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. You do you. Well, that sucks. Sorry to hear it. It was sweating. So I had to put my mic down to um, put something on it to not make my sister's desk so wet. (laughs) Speaking of high school, that's what my Italian teacher, Miss Conti, used to say, that her iced coffee was sweating, so she would have to get a hot cup for it. God, the way we really wrecked the environment. I used to get a hot cup for my iced coffees every day. <laughs> Just pure styrofoam. Yeah. So that my iced coffee <laughs> wouldn't get wet. <laughs> and all that styrofoam is going to be on this earth longer Forever. than we are. <laughs> styrofoam and cockroaches. Match made in heaven. Um, okay. Want to take us on a deep dive? Yeah, my deep dive is also about high school. So. Ooh. Deep dive. Deep dive. Happy Pride Month. Um, <laughs> I outed someone my freshman year of high school. Oh, my God. So let's just get that out there. Um, <laughs> it haunts me to this day. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to do the thing this week that I normally do with my deep dives when I like have a particularly fucked up deep dive. And I'm like, but like, fuck that person. Like they suck because this person does suck, but I'm not going to try to justify it (laughs) in any way because it was terrible. And honestly, it kind of ended up being more terrible for me. And I'm going to tell you why. So my freshman year of high school, um, me and this person, um, were the only, the only, neither of us were out, but we were the only like known to each other gay boys in our class at LaSalle Academy, the class mm-hmm. of 2013. Um, 
And where are LaSallies at? <laughs> yeah, where are you? Let me know. Rise up. Um, I forget how we met, but we like we became friends like pretty quickly um, because of that. And um, we like, you know, opened up to each other about our sexualities and how we were both in the closet and we like were flirting a lot and wanted to hook up. Um, we eventually did hook up, but not until like a year or two later. Um, and my I had like been out as bisexual in middle school. And then I like went back into the closet when I decided I was going to LaSalle because it was a very preppy private school. And I like did not want to be the fag at school. Um, and I was very flamboyant. So everyone knew that I was gay or assumed that I was gay rather. Um, and he, for some reason, was really, it was really easy for him to fly under the radar. Um, and which is like insane to me and like was at the time because he was like a Vineyard Vines wearing like <sighs> bag, just like very much like a preppy, very clearly gay, yeah. just very clearly. So I was like mystified that no one knew that he was gay and I was being targeted in my class. And like, I was like severely bullied my freshman year, not bullied in the way that like people hop on Tumblr to say like, I was bullied and someone was just kind of mean to them. Like (laughs) the first week of my freshman year of high school, I didn't go into school for three days because members of the football freshman class football team wrote a love letter and signed my name to it and shoved it into the quarterback's locker so like shit like that. Yeah. Um, Were you shoved into any lockers? I was not. No, no one ever got physical with me. Um, And I, I mean, one, we had like a no tolerance kind of rule at our school for violence. I did throw a desk at someone <laughs> my freshman year, like in the hallway. um, Because like someone who'd been bullying me a lot that was on the football team. But like. You know, they got out of the way. So <laughs> I didn't get in trouble because there were no teachers I around. I kind of love to think that the football team didn't like physically hurt you because they like deep down knew you're a girl. And they're like, <laughs> we don't hit women. <laughs> they like, uh, they knew before you did. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no one, um, like no one got physical with me. It was just a lot of like psychological fucking bullying. Um So anyway, like I was really being tortured and it was a lot and I wanted to like transfer out, but my like grades hadn't been great in middle school and they weren't really great my freshman year either because I was like never really a good student and I was also really depressed because I was being bullied. So like my like third week of my freshman year, I think it was, I was like, I've had, like, I don't know what to do. I've had it. I, like, need to get these people off my back. So I told everyone that this person was gay. Um, thinking that it would make things better. And instead of people, like, leaving me alone and just making him the target of being, Which was your goal. Which was my goal. And I knew it was, like, fucked up while I was doing it because I liked this person. It was... I don't really remember the specifics of where I did it, who I did it with. Like, I don't remember anything really specific about it. I just remember that I did it and why I did it. Um, And I, like, remember that I, like, was... I knew that what I was doing was wrong. But I was like, I don't know what else to do. And he, like, had a lot of friends. And he was, like, fairly popular. So I was like, 
he's gonna be okay <laughs> but like maybe if like the football players know there's like an action you know another fag in the class they'll just go and make fun of him um and like i had no i was a fucking reject no friends whatever um, you, you had to you were in a tough position yeah no i am painting a picture yes um you know he had like people to sit with at lunch and like i sat alone um Aww. so it's like he would have been fine um anyway it did not work out that way and i told everyone and everybody including the football players <laughs> were like oh that's cool oh you're gay cool <laughs> oh my god okay anyway what's up faggot like li- j- to me like literally and i remember like what i realized years later was that if i had just come out my freshman year and been like yeah i'm gay i suck dick the football players would have just left me alone because what a bully loves, and especially what homophobic yes. bullies love, is trying to, you know, pull that secret out of you and, like, wield it against you. So if you just own it, there's really, like, there's no power. You, you don't give them any power. Yeah. Um, and that's essentially what I gave this person. Was right. that I just, I, it's like, I both outed him and just made the next four years of his high school career really fucking chill. <laughs> Because as much as he was not ready to tell anyone that he was gay, I did it for him. And then it was just a non-issue. Yeah. At all. And I spent the next two years continued to be bullied for being what they thought was gay. Um, Yeah. So I outed him and he obviously was pissed at me. <sighs> um, It like was not the fallout was not as bad as you would think because we remained friends. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we were, uh, so I, yeah, I outed him and there was another person in the mix that I tried to out who I knew through this person that I outed was also gay, Mm. but was closeted, um, who now lives in New York. Um, and he was like really popular. He like added everybody on Facebook like the week before freshman year and like made sure to like find the popular kids and like became friends with them because he knew that he was gay, I guess, but didn't want anyone to know. So mm-hmm. he became friends with all the football players. Anyway, I tried to out him too. And that was the worst of the fallout was that he was like, Nika's a fucking liar. And like, she's crazy. Like, I'm not fucking gay. Like, she's nuts. <laughs> and everybody was like, yeah, she's nuts. <laughs> She's a liar and she's gay. She's a gay liar. So that was the worst of the fallout. Not even outing the gay, the actual gay person or the gay guy, the first gay guy, but trying to out the second gay guy who was able to stay closeted until he went to college. <sighs> Though I knew his little secret all throughout high school and I tried to wield it against him every chance I got and it made oh us huge enemies. This kind of reminds me of the movie GBF. Have you seen that movie? No, whatever. I haven't seen it because when it came out, everyone told me that I should watch it because it reminded them of me. I kind (laughs) of see why. I mean, it's a good movie, but that like particular storyline is kind of a thing that happens. But there's this moment of like realizing that the popular girls want a gay best friend. Yeah. So the Uh. other one becomes super popular. Yeah. 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 So like the one that I the one who like was like Nika's a fucking crazy liar. He was able to stay closeted all four years and like no one knew. And I only knew that he was gay because the person that I outed told me that he was gay Yeah. because they were hooking up our freshman year 
very much on the DL. Yeah. But the one that I actually outed that was like, okay, yeah, everyone, I'm gay. I don't know why Nika told you that. That sucks. (laughs) Just became popular. Yeah. And like had friends. And I didn't. (laughs) So it was like, yeah, it was not great. Um, And that has haunted me to this day. I think about it pretty often that I outed that person. I mean, listen, terrible thing to do. But also that just happens in high school. People out each other. It's like it's fucked up and it, you know, it's bad. And it's a good thing that you feel bad about it, I guess. But it's also like, I don't know, people out each other in high school. People don't have any fucking like moral compass in high school. I know. No, I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't care. I just like. I was in survival mode. Yeah. So I just didn't really give a fuck. Yeah. Um, You were in fight or flight and you chose uh, out someone else. (laughs) You chose trip the person you're running with. Yeah. So that they can get caught by the bears (laughs) instead. Seriously. Um, (laughs) I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Yeah. And like it's it's so true. Like what I said about like if you just come out like no one can really make fun of you anymore because once I came out again it's like I was pretty like elusive about what my sexuality was my junior year and I was like kind of under the umbrella of being bisexual but I didn't tell anyone that I was bisexual I just started wearing short shorts on dress down days and like started like wearing like a fucking pompadour for my hairstyle and like very loudly talking about sucking dick um, (laughs) at the lunch table And like, that was like my armor. And as soon as I started doing that, I just went from being like the kid who was bullied for being a fag to like the kid that like the popular kids didn't like because they thought I was a weirdo, which was so much better. Yeah. I was like, that's fine. You can think I'm like a stoner weirdo who like wears short shorts on dress down days. That's totally cool with me. Yeah. We can do that. But no longer like they were still homophobic, but yeah, it didn't bother me the way that it had. Because I wasn't hiding from anything. I was actually thinking today about my like coming out experience in middle and high school. And I realized that I like never officially came out so much as literally my first day of seventh grade. Somebody asked me if I was gay and I was like, no, but I'm bisexual. And I had never said it out loud before. I was like literally like 12 years old, you know, like I didn't like think about it really before, but I knew it like in my heart since I was a little kid, I knew So when somebody just asked me for the first time in my life, point blank, if I was gay, it it just and it was somebody they weren't being mean. They were literally like it was like the first week of school. I was the new kid. We became friends and they were like queer and they were just kind of like asking just Mm -hmm. to like suss me out. I was like, no, but I'm bi. And then one of my like long term friends was there when I said that who had known me my whole life. And she was like, you are. And I was like, that's so weird that I just said that. But yeah, I guess. And that was the only moment in my whole middle and high school experience that ever like really said it to anybody. But for some reason, it was just understood from like beginning of middle school. Like, yeah, Anya's weird, at least, and probably gay or queer or bi or, you know, whatever middle schoolers want to call it. Um, And I just... I got a little bit bullied because rumors went around about like when I kissed this girl and everyone found out about it and like my like another really long term friend of mine, even though I was new to the school, I had lived in that town for a long time. So I knew some of the people at that school. Mm-hmm. So there were there was another person who had known me my whole life who like kind of bullied me about it. And I was like, we were like really good friends in fourth grade. What are you doing? But like 
I don't know. It was just a weird thing where I realized that I never was like, hey, everyone, I'm bi. Yeah. It was just like I just started leaning into it and like owning it and just didn't like I never officially announced it. But I would just talk about like my girlfriend. Yeah. Or I would talk about like th- what girl I made out with at a party that weekend in like high school or whatever. And people were just like, oh, I guess that's our like that's Anya. She's gay or whatever. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it is. I I guess you could say I got bullied for it sometimes, but I never gave a fuck. So I was always like, like one time was like, someone was like, what are you going to go make out with a girl or something? And I was like, yeah, like not that you've ever done that, Uh you know, like to a guy, that kind of thing. I was like, bye, (laughs) literally. (laughs) (laughs) But it is interesting because movies make it into this thing where it's like, Everyone, like in the cafeteria, I'm gay. I literally like just came into school one day with an undercut after vacation and like a pierced ear. Like I wore wore outfits akin to like what Lindsay Lohan wore in Freaky Friday, you know, and I was like, this this should probably tune everyone into it. Also, I love how like queer coded that character is, even though she has like a crush on Chad Michael Murray. It's like in those pants, you have a crush on him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Go finger your girl band. Okay. <laughs> if you're a young gay boy listening to this podcast um, and you are afraid about coming out in high school, just do what I did and start wearing your J. Crew shorts. Start folding them up three times <laughs> um, on a dress down day or just if you go to a public school, get an undercut and start loudly talking about sucking dick at the lunch table. Well, yeah, I mean, in a way, it's kind of like it's praxis because it's yeah. like everyone just assumes you're straight until you you come out. So if you behave as though the assumption is that you're queer, yeah, it's just kind of like flipping that on its head a little bit, you know, like yeah. come out for what? Like <laughs> why come out? Like you come out to me that you are straight then, you know, yeah. like it's stupid. I know. Obviously, we know why people have to come out, but... I just think, um, yeah, that is good advice. If you're currently in high school, first of all, turn off this podcast. We talk, <laughs> we talk too much about doing drugs and we just don't. <laughs> I am sure we have high schooler listeners, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, well, lay off the powdered drugs until you're at least like 20. Okay? Yeah, please don't. Just do what I did in high school. Just drink. Drink alcohol and smoke weed. That's all. Yeah. And don't do those things at all because you're a teenager, but you're not. But if you're going to like, we're, whatever, yeah. just do it. Just we rather you do it in the house. You yeah. know? <laughs> um, but also, if you're going to drink big advice as a teenager, this is going to be a deep dive at some point soon. Um, luckily, everything turned out OK. But if a friend seems like they have alcohol poisoning, <laughs> don't worry about if your parents are going to be mad. Just bring them to the hospital. <laughs> Get that stomach pumped. They could literally die. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you might get grounded, but make sure your friend doesn't die. Once again, have to clarify that luckily everything turned out okay. And I will, this is a teaser for probably our like next episodes deep dive, but, um, also don't, don't get in a car with anyone who's drunk or high. Honestly, I know everyone loves to say they can drive when they're high, but just don't fucking do it, especially in high school. Um, it doesn't matter if you're going to get in trouble. It's better to get in trouble than be dead. 
Okay, that's my official. (laughs) If we're gonna address our high school, yeah, no, 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 I'm I'm audience. I do just those are my two big things. I'm here for it. I do like love the idea of um just like a little gaggle of queer teenagers listening to this podcast who really love us both. But that's just like my inner child wanting to be loved. I mean, same. I I was I don't actually want you to turn off the podcast. Just like listen, we're pro sex work, but I do think you should probably wait until you're at least like twenty. Two at least. Yeah. I say wait until your frontal lobe is fully formed. Yeah. 25 was when I basically started. But I'm just like, there are certain things that I'm like, just because we do it doesn't do what we say, not as we do. Yeah. No. For sure. (laughs) And I didn't touch hard drugs until I was in my 20s. Yeah. Same. 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 The, yeah. I think my first drug that wasn't, um, like, drinking or weed was mushrooms when I was 19 and then Molly when I was like 21 maybe yeah I didn't do shrooms or acid until I was 20 21 yeah and that's a good like wait until you're at least 21 honestly honestly all of these things you should probably wait until you're 25 literally wait until your brain is developed including including I'm not I know this is an unrealistic thing to ask of people but including drinking and smoking weed it literally does impact how your brain develops and we are both severely mentally ill (laughs) and we drank and smoked weed in high school so you know like (laughs) once again do as we say not as we do but abstinence is not and model that works. So like if yeah. you're going to do it, be safe and use condoms, <laughs> use condoms big time. Don't use, use condoms. saran wrap. It's not going to work. <laughs> I did it once. I don't know if I've talked about also get before. tested. You can get tested at Planned Parenthood. Yes. You can get tested at even your, your doctor, like your like pediatrician can't tell your parents if you asked. Same with to birth get, control. Yes. At Planned Parenthood. I did get detention in high school for telling the cis girls this, <laughs> but you can get, Birth control, Planned Parenthood, without your parents' consent. Yes. If you're under the age of 18. Yeah. I think the age that technically is, like, the cutoff is 12 before, like, you, like, I think 12 and under, you need your parents to, like, do it for you. But as soon as you are 12 years old, your sexual health can legally be none of your parents' business. Yeah. So... Truly take advantage of that. I started getting tested regularly when I was 15. And I, I think I touched it the first time until I was 19. And literally the only reason I was able to do that is because there was a Planned Parenthood in my town. And I not know I know not everyone has that yeah. privilege, but um, I just just take advantage of that, y'all. Yeah, I think I tested until I was 19 because I was just so and rationally so afraid of contracting um, HIV that yes. I... Um, just decided to not get tested ever because mm. I was just convinced I had it because I famously never used condoms as a teenager and still kind of don't. As an do adult, as we say, not as we do. Not as we do. <laughs> get on you, prep. Get, oh my God, I need to get on prep. <laughs> After this weekend. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. Nika really got fucking corked and porked. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, three guys in 48 hours. <laughs> that is my fucking bestie right there. Listen, I have not done that since I <laughs> lived alone in my studio apartment in Providence. My apartment was a revolving door. Nika's telling this to me with a hickey on her neck. <laughs> so I want everyone to know that. A hickey on my neck, mind you, and I'm not proud of this. I'm actually ashamed because I begged the guy that was fucking me to give me a hickey. <laughs> As a 26-year-old proud independent woman you begged for a hickey that's after, kind of hot though after i asked him to spit in my mouth i finally got my mouth spit in for the first time <laughs> it was hot uh, 
now yeah. now I get it. Yeah, I mean, there is a weird thing where some like I also sometimes like getting my spit in my <laughs> mouth. I I like spitting in other people's mouth. The thing is. It's a dicey game because it's so hot when it's hot, but sometimes the second it hits your mouth, you're like, never yeah, mind. Yeah, no, his spit literally was just, makes me gag sometimes. Yeah, his so I have to be was, real careful. Um, like, just ugh, it was hot. His spit was hot. Okay, his spit in my good. mouth was hot. I'm happy for you. <laughs> happy for you. Okay, so this relates. <laughs> yeah, you outing your friend, um, and it only making your situation <laughs> worse. Relates to this week's best mistake because, okay, so kind of just two people that are kind of in a similar boat um, and one of them getting the short end of that stick kind of regardless of all things basically being even, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, is in addition to uh just like kind of childish vindictive um like uh desperation um it relates to the tragic marriage and subsequent death of um Zelda Fitzgerald Ooh. best mistake And that's kind of a loose relation. There are actually a few ways that it relates, but it's hard it's hard to put it into words until we talk about the mistake. So Vel- Zelda Fitzgerald, um, otherwise known as the wife of F. Scott Fitzgerald, the beloved American author, um, best known for The Great Gatsby, um, but also literally all of his books are phenomenal. Um, Zelda Fitzgerald is often talked about as F. Scott Fitzgerald's um, like muse Mm -hmm. and just like hot as fuck flapper wife, basically. Um, And and little until recently was that like publicly known about like her um, role in his creative works. And so, I mean, obviously people for as it, as long as they have been a famous couple, there have been people that are like fascinated by them and know things about them. But it's kind of like a recent fascination with Zelda specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, like a few years ago, there were like four books that came out about her in one year, the same year that um, the Leonardo DiCaprio Great Gatsby came out. And there's now like, a um, Amazon Prime show about her. And there's just like, I think it's kind of part of this whole frenzy with like, now that we're a feminist society, one of the ways that we're choosing to <laughs> um, like showcase our feminism is this obsession with famous people's wives. Mm-hmm. And Zelda is just kind of one of those wives that is recently like, there's a big fascination around her. Um, and because of that, it is now more publicly acknowledged that F. Scott Fitzgerald um, basically plagiarized the fuck out of her. Um, and that is a huge reason why he is now like why his books were as good as they are and why he is now and will forever be like this immortalized, like one of the great American writers, you know. And so Zelda is 
still has not really gotten her proper due. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, and the mistake kind of being on both of their parts. And we'll, you know, we'll get into that. So Zelda um, was born in 1900, a millennial, if you will. Um, JK, what it, what would that be? A century, centrial? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a lost generational. Yeah. She was... Um, She's literally Gen Z. The Z is for Zelda because she's the only she's uh-huh. like the coolest person to come out of her whole generation. Uh-huh. Um, so her uh, maiden name is Sayer. She was born July 24th. So she's a cancer, um, which I famously am addicted to cancers. Love that for her. Not cancer. July. So Leo. Wait, July what? 24th. Right. I think that might still be cancer. Hold on. But no, wait, you might write. Hold on. Either way, I love Leo's just as much. For some reason, I was thinking June 24th. But yeah, she's the Leo. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, Leo. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Either way. It makes sense with. Yeah. Okay. It actually makes way more sense, honestly, than (laughs) cancer. I was like, that doesn't really add up. But I was like, we're going to have to see the rest of her chart. (laughs) Um, Anyway. I'm going to look it up right now. (laughs) Take us away. Okay. So she was born in Montgomery, Alabama to a very like high society family. Her father was a judge. She was a debutante. Um, she was like known as a wild child who like loved attention, which for a young lady in 1900 was like kind of frowned upon, but it was kind of, you know, to be born in 1900 and be a wild child, it's kind of perfect timing as far as her coming of age right around the time that like the flappers became a thing. And Mm -hmm. she's credited as being like the first American flapper. I don't know if she was actually the first because it's F. Scott who said that. And I feel like he's kind of biased, but she was definitely like one of the like big, iconic, like not like other girls flappers, you know, Um, she had complete disregard for like what women are, how they're supposed to behave. And that was very apparent from a really young age. Um, One story about her that I think is like absolute fucking Leo prime like attention, like center of attention, main charactering bullshit. When she was 10 years old, she called the fire department to say that there was a child stuck on their roof. And then she hung up and climbed up to the roof to get rescued by the fire department because <laughs> she just wanted the attention. <gasps> that's so, <laughs> um, so that's like, you know, that's who we're dealing with. Um <laughs> She uh, used to bathe in a skin-colored bathing suit so that people thought that she was swimming naked. Oh, um, she just, like, she was big on, like, she she loved being kind of uh, controversial and um, she loved pushing the envelope, you know? And she is kind of, like, one of the... Um, prime examples of like a real life manic pixie dream girl like everyone that met her said that there's like this magnetism about her and she's like so like everyone in the room wanted her attention and um all the men like wanted to have her and uh it's very clear that most of his books most of f scott's literature the like women are based on her, you know, like every single main character female in his books has this like elusive, like everybody wants her, but nobody can ever really have her like that kind of woman. And that's like very much who she was. 
So F. Scott, um, or as I, I watched this lecture about her on YouTube and the lecturer kept calling him Mr. Zelda because yeah. <laughs> you, everyone who like knows about this story is like, actually, fuck F. Scott um, because he's the worst. So rather than calling her like Mrs. Fitzgerald, he's Miss, Miss, Mr. Zelda. F. Scott was stationed in Alabama during his um, time in the army. And during that time, he met a um, like 17 to 18 year old Zelda and he immediately was like smitten with her and it was mutual. Um, They like there's like this really raw magnetism between them. Um, But she was a fucking like she knew immediately what kind of life she wanted to live. And she's like, babe, I am marrying rich. (laughs) So until you are a famous author lose my number. (laughs) Um, So he like proposed to her and she was like, no, you're poor. Um, And then, but they still stayed in touch because they were like in love. And so then he um, started to rewrite the book that he was currently working on because he knew he was going to be a a famous writer, which is like so presumptuous, but he was right. So whatever. Um, He started to rewrite his book, This Side of Paradise, which is a book that he based on his time in Princeton. And it's all about like, young like rebellion basically um he rewrote it to include a character that he wanted to base on her and if you've read the book the character is Rosalind and um he told her this and she was so flattered and so excited and she's like 18 19 at this point and so she um gives him excerpts from her diaries and like letters she's written and like gives him like her little like sayings that she says and like little jokes that she's made because he asks her for like material to like base this character on her. And she's like, she just wants to, at this point, she's so young. She just wants to like be part of the world. And it's like flattering that this very talented person wants to immortalize her in this novel. Right. So she gives him all this material Um, and some of it, he just takes, you know, like some of like, she, she helps a little bit, but he's also like observing her writing down conversations that they have and like, just kind of just fully taking her words and her like things that are coming from her brain and being like, perfect. Thanks, babe. And putting it into his book, which doesn't really occur to her until later how fucked up that is. Um, but he publishes the book. It's an immediate overnight sensation. And she's like, fine, I'll marry you because now he's rich. <laughs> so they move to New York City. They're like the immediate it couple. They're like the socialites of like the 1920s, you know, like Great Gatsby very much is based on the kind of crazy partying they were participating in as these very affluent, overindulgent um like honestly mentally ill narcissists with were we have Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald in the past life (laughs) well you know what yeah but without the funds you know like imagine us but with like millions of dollars no I mean we were them in a (laughs) past life yeah 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 (laughs) yeah definitely um but like you know they're they're just not being given they're not being told no you know and that is not good for either of them because he is like a raging alcoholic already from a young age there are like um, there's a lot of documentation of like him, like passing out from being drunk already at like dinner as like a 
college student, you know? Yeah. Um, not just like partying alcohol, but like dependent on alcohol. And she was just like, at this point, she wasn't ex- probably exhibiting as severe of mental illness as she does later in life. But like, she's got the inkling and she ends up getting later diagnosed with schizophrenia. But now in retrospect, a lot of historians agree that what she had would probably now be described as like bipolar too. So like, you know, if she gets diagnosed with that later, she's probably exhibiting signs of it when she has unlimited money in New York city with like, no boundaries so you know they're just being impulsive they're being crazy they're being they're surrounded by the other geniuses of their time you know all of this is going to his head because he's like I wrote one of the great American novels and my best friends are like Pablo Picasso and Ernest Hemingway um anyway so at this point everything's going great um but now she's like in her 20s and she's like, I want to write stuff and make stuff and be an artist so that she dabbles in a few things. She she was a dancer as a kid. She gets back into dancing in her adulthood. Um, she also she's also a writer. So she starts writing short stories. She also paints um, and she's just like trying to express herself because she's just a filthy rich white woman with nothing but time. So why not? Right. Um, and he's very threatened by this. He does not like, he wants to be the star of the relationship. He wants to be like, he sees himself as like, like she's his muse. What the fuck is she doing? Making art too? You know, Mm -hmm. like he's supposed to just make art (laughs) for the both of them. Um, so he's very discouraging and he starts like kind of referring to her ambitions as like delusional and um she writes some short stories and he publishes a couple of them under his name and the reason that we know this for sure is because he had like a spreadsheet of all of like his published works Mm -hmm. and like how much money he got for them and like just like little information about like what date it was published and all this and in the margins of the ones that were by her, he just says that. He's like, oh, I published Zelda's fucking short story today. And so there's some speculation about that that might have been a decision they made as a couple because men made more money. Mm -hmm. So if it was under his name, they would make more money on that short story than if she published it. Mm -hmm. So there are some people who are like, maybe that was a group decision as a marriage. There's also a couple short stories where it's both of their names. Um, But in any case, like, He's not letting her just take credit for anything. Um, And the reason that a lot of people are like, I don't know if that was necessarily why they did it, because they're like making tons of money. Like he's publishing famous books, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not like, but what about the difference between $2,000 and $4,000 on this short story? Like they're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, the first inkling that there is some tension in their relationship about all of this is when there is a um, a paper asks Zelda to write a review of this side of paradise for F. Scott. And her review includes the following passage. It seems to me that 
On one page, I recognized a portion of an old diary of mine, which mysteriously disappeared shortly after my marriage, and also scraps of letters, which, though considerably edited, sound to me vaguely familiar. In fact, Mr. Fitzgerald, I believe that is how he spells his name, seems to believe that plagiarism begins at home. Um, And, you know, everyone's like... Well, they're just poking fun at each other. And that's just her sense of humor. You know, like she's like this like famous, iconic, tongue in cheek, like controversial flapper. And she's and her like husband is this famous writer. And so when asked to write a review of her own husband's book, she's going to just like make a little joke. But also, like, every joke has a little seed of truth. Yeah. And that just seems like a pretty fucking harsh thing to publish about your husband. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So he goes on to publish multiple other books. They're, like, kind of in and out of money because they're so indulgent in their lifestyle. Their relationship starts to crumble <laughs> because they are both deeply unwell, undiagnosed, mentally ill people that like are just not trying to get better. And so they have this like really toxic relationship where they're just like super mean to each other. He's telling her that she's delusional and that she's not talented and that she like needs to like let go of these crazy dreams she has to become like known for her own reasons. And she tells him that he is a tiny dick. Oh my God. <laughs> and Ernest Hemingway wrote in um which one is it? Hold on. In his memoir, what, I mean, this shows how uncultured I am that I can't remember Ernest Hemingway's fucking memoir's oh, name. I don't know what his memoir's name is either. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't even really know if care. He wrote a memoir. Um, in a movable feast, Ernest Hemingway's memoir, he recounts a time that he is sitting with F. Scott Fitzgerald in a cafe in Paris together, and um. Fitzgerald says to him, Zelda said that the way I was built, I could never make any woman happy. And that was what upset her originally. She said it was a matter of measurements. I have never felt the same since she said that. And I have to know truly. And then Hemingway invites him into the bathroom with him and they measure dicks together. <laughs> and then Hem- Hemingway says, you're perfectly fine. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and he goes on to say, that uh, it's like not about how big it is. It's about how big it gets. Oh, my God. Um, so and because of this, also Hemingway and Zelda fucking hate each other. And that's like just canon. Everyone knows that they literally despise each other. There's some theories that it's because F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway were like a little gay together. But I think a lot of those theories actually stem from. Zelda just trying to be a cunt and was like, you're probably gay with your best friend because she like hates him anyway. Okay. Um, and so especially when this came out, she was like, you measured dicks with your fucking guy, you know, like it was just, um, contentious. So F Scott has her, um, eventually committed into a mental institution because, um, of her mood swings and cause she's so crazy and it's in this mental institution. Also, apparently there are some like affairs and stuff that happen in the meantime, like their marriage is not good. And it's in the mental institution that she starts writing her own book. And this makes him very mad um, because he finds out first of all, that she's writing anything at all. 
Um, cause he's like, no, 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 I'm the one who writes, but also if you write and it comes out under your name, everyone's going to see your writing and realize that I've been stealing it. Yeah. <laughs> so please don't do that. But he finds out that the book that she's writing is about their marriage. And he was currently writing a book about their marriage as well. Huh. And to him, he's like, well, that's my story to tell, not your story to tell. I'm the novelist in this relationship. Like that's my material, not your material. And she's like, I don't know. We were kind of both there. So I'm going to keep writing this book. So she writes this book um, and she tries to get it published. And he basically um, fights with her and the publisher about what parts of her book he was planning on having in his book. And he gets those parts taken out. And so by the time her book is published, um, it's like this weird kind of broken story where like, there are huge chunks taken out. Um, so it gets really bad reviews. It's very beautifully written, but like there's no real story to it. It's structurally not that interesting. And then his book comes out and it's also a critical failure because it is not as beautifully written as his other mm. books are, but the story is really good, which makes you realize that maybe... All of his books were as good as they were because they had Zelda's like lyrical prose in them and her way of like talking and her perspective and her literal like excerpts from her diaries and letters. Um, but his like genius story structures. Mm. And so when those were taken apart, we were left with two pretty subpar pieces of work um, that both of them like took very hard that nobody liked their books that came out. Um, in the process of her publishing this book, the publisher is like, well, we think you're a really good writer and we know that you've kept a diary your whole life. Can we publish your diaries? And F. Scott loses it and says that she can't publish her diaries because those are have been a source of like inspiration and material for all of his books. Um, famously, like enormous chunks of The Great Gatsby are just literally copy-pasted from her diaries mm. and things that she just has said. Like the um, like when her, their daughter, Scotty, was born, she said, I hope she's a fool because that's the best thing a girl mm. can be, a beautiful fool. Like that is a quote that's in The Great Gatsby because he was just literally like, hey, honey, say that again. Cool, that's great. Like that was his writing <laughs> strategy. So when he finds out that she wants to publish her diaries, he gets them to not publish them under the, uh, like, basically argument that it is because he's published all these books with these diary excerpts already in them, that it's his intellectual property. Oh my God. And they're like, interesting. So we're not going to publish it right now, but we're going to circle back because that doesn't really make sense. And so when they finally circle back to publish the diaries, they have mysteriously disappeared and they have never been recovered. Oh, my God. Um, there is like still an ongoing search for them that is, you know, dwindling. But they've like searched every house that they all ever lived in. They searched like the places that she was hospitalized. They're nowhere to be found. Most people assume he burned them. Yeah, probably. So her book was called Save Me the Waltz and his book was called Tender is the Night. And they're both about like a marriage failing and they're both basically about their marriage. Um, there's this quote uh, from an article that is I was reading about this. I'll credit all the articles I um, 
used at the end. He was furious that somebody else would use their joint experience for literature. Um, What's left of Save Me the Waltz is a jagged, unfinished book. We don't know what it could have been. Scott's outrage is recorded in her medical files, which are archived at the Princeton University and and include a 114-page transcript of a conversation between Zelda, Scott, and her doctor. During their fight, which was taken down by a stenographer, Scott fumed that everything we have done is mine. If we make a trip and you and I go around, I am the professional novelist and I am supporting you. This is all my material. None of this is your material. Um, And there's another quote about like kind of her relationship with being his muse and that turning into her realizing that she's just like getting uncredited in like she's just a co-author that's uncredited. Yeah. Um, So at first, Zelda enjoyed having her words immortalized by her celebrated husband and playfully raised the issue um, when she. Oh, oh, and the review was for The Beautiful and the Damned, not the whichever book I said earlier. I think I said the wrong book. So that review where she um, where she called him a plagiarist, basically, was on the beautiful for the beautiful and the damned. And so basically it was like that was the first hint that she didn't like it anymore. Um, And that was like multiple books before, like more books came out between that review and like this Save Me the Waltz, Tender is the Night. Um, Anyway, so they both kind of go on to have pretty sad endings to their lives. Um, Zelda ends up dying in a fire while she's waiting to get electroshock therapy because she was locked in the room that the fire went oh off God, in and she was alone in it and nobody knew she was in there and that there was a fire in there. Oh my God. Um, her diaries are, like I said, nowhere to be found. Um, and uh, to this day, even though it's very obvious that it's her words and her writing in a lot of these books, she's never going to be like co-authored or credited. Um, There's some interesting arguments about like, you know, there's this attempt to kind of like save her reputation in retrospect and be like, you know, Zelda was, uh, repressed by him you know like that he didn't let her be creative because he was possessive of like being the shining star of of the relationship and that's all true but there it should also be acknowledged that um she was like an active participant in her life and it's like you know she was a party girl she didn't have a lot of motivation she didn't have a lot of follow-through with a lot of her creative ideas at first she did end up finally finishing a book later on in life but back when he was like pumping out these novels there is something to be said about that he was actually writing them and she even says herself there's some quote about how like she rather just know that she could do these things better than everyone else than do them and find out she's actually not better than everyone else Mm -hmm. which I find to be a very relatable quote honestly yeah no I do too um So I do think like, yes, he was a fucking terrible husband and stole from her and she deserves partial credit. Um, I don't think that like 
these books are just books that she wrote and that he published under his name. You know, he did still write a lot of them. So I think it's like she should get partial credit for these books. And we should acknowledge that he was a huge piece of shit and a terrible husband. But also she's kind of a cautionary tale of like pure indulgence and no discipline. Um, because in a way she's iconic, like literally in a way, like it really depends on what you value, I guess. Like there's, if she didn't marry this piece of shit and had this terrible toxic relationship with him, it's possible that her life could have just been like kind of our motto of like, I just want to chill. You know, she was kind of the queen of like, I just want to party and have fun. Yeah. Um, but it's clear that she also did want more for herself. And so that's what's sad. Like, yeah. I don't think it's inherently sad to not make more for yourself. Um, Cause if that's not what you want, then fucking don't do it. But she clearly did have these aspirations, but she didn't really have like the fucking follow through um, until later. And by the time she did have that follow through, she was like entangled in this like horrible relationship where he wanted to stifle her and did not support her at all. Um, and like, you know, she was a participant in getting into that relationship. So it is like it's both of their mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. He's the villain for sure, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But I don't I think there's like this kind of like. In a lot of these like retellings of Zelda's life that have been coming up recently, it's kind of all about how like nobody acknowledges that she was the real genius in the relationship and like. People are just making it out to be like she was nothing but the victim. And it's like, you know, she fucked herself over, too. I yeah. think. No, for sure. Um, But yeah, it's fucking so sad that her diaries are gone, especially considering how beautifully written those passages in The Great Gatsby are. Like, it is such a beautiful, amazing book. And yes, the storyline, which I think is mostly F. Scott's doing, is incredible. And that's what it's a page turner and people like love the storyline. But what makes that book exceptional is how beautifully written it is and how like interesting the like ways that the characters talk to each other, like the the sound of the way they talk to each other is like so intoxicating. And that's all like 100 percent pure Zelda, you know? Yeah. And I just all I want, I want justice for Zelda. I want her name on these books. The only book of his that she didn't have as much to do with is tender is the night. And he still, even though he wasn't like taking from her as much in that book, um, it's still like took from the book that she wrote, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like not one of his books is without her influence. And I just, you know, justice for all muses. I think that mm -hmm. every muse out there, quote unquote, is a person who actually like helps make the art. Yeah. And everyone's like, for so long, there's been this narrative that's like, oh, she's just so beautiful that she inspired this art. No. Nah, bitch. These are people that these men have been stealing from. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a succubus. Yeah. Moral of the story. So moral of the story to me is um, unchecked self-indulgence and like not being your own, not having your own back and not having your own best interest at heart and like not just like, you know, uh, 
nursing the the talents and creative interests you have can result in some like lifelong regrets. Um, it's very clear that she had like she wanted to make something out of her writing and out of her painting and out of her dance and all of them. It was a little too little too late. And that's like very, very sad to me. But also moral of the story is don't fucking steal from people. Yeah. And like be a good spouse. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, that's what at least my takeaway. I agree with you. <laughs> what a week to record this episode during. What do you mean? <laughs> just everything about Zelda. Just I've been having my own similar spirals that are kind of related to Zelda Fitzgerald's own experience. So well, quite yeah. interesting to see. The reason I got I've been so like captivated by her story lately is um that I do relate deeply to her. I have a really hard time like my perfectionism gets in the way of my own discipline, self-discipline. Mm-hmm. And my one, like the fact that I just want to like live life and have fun um, can like sometimes end up making, putting, I put myself in situations that are long-term, not like they're like the antithesis of that, you know? Yeah. And that's very much what she did. She was like, I'm going to have so much fun that I'll, now I'm trapped in a fucking marriage that I hate. <laughs> and like, I never like, I never set myself up for like the kinds of successes I imagined for myself. Yeah. And that's really, um, you know, I could see that happening for me. (laughs) So I'm like, girly, thanks for living that out for the rest of us. Um, yeah. And F Scott, you're on our fucking list. Okay, buddy. Like, fuck you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Seriously, fuck you. Anyway, that's that. That's that story. That was a riveting um, story. Thank you for taking us on this journey. Yeah, of course. R.I.P. Zelda. Died at 47. Sad. Um, And if I have a kid, I'm 100% naming it Scotty because I think that's a fun name to name any gendered child. And I love that they named their daughter Scotty. I almost wish I had chosen Zelda as my chosen name. That would have been a sick name. I was literally thinking, I was like, should I change my name to Zelda? Zelda <laughs> Lamata, what a name. Um, also, apparently Zelda, the like video game, was named after her. Oh, wow. That's yeah. funny. I wonder if Robin Williams' daughter was also named after her. I mean, she's an icon. I she's know. like I love her um, yeah. in uh, her her being portrayed in Midnight in Paris. I know fuck yes. Woody Allen, but it's one of my favorite movies of all no, time. It's I'll a never great, stop watching it. It's a great movie. It's so good. Um, all right. Well. Yeah. I'm hot as fuck. So I do want to yeah, <laughs> wrap, wrap it, up. it up. But write us your mistakes at bestmistakespod at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Follow us. Write us a review. Leave us a review. Email us your mistakes. Yes. You, are, you know our at. Yeah, you know our, you know our ats. They're in the description. And, uh, Kiss your friends. Kiss your friends on, on the, the mouth, mouth and uh, test your drugs. And test your drugs. And also, like, your go get your genitals tested. Yes, get tested. Get, get, get your drugs and your genitals tested. tested. <laughs> and then kiss your friends on the mouth. <laughs> and on their genitals. And on their genitals. Love you. Love you.